Welcome to Think Social, the smart marketing podcast for millennials. I'm your co-host, Sherilyn Gomes, a digital marketing specialist, Brooklyn 99 addict, and travel enthusiast. And I'm your co-host, Lauren Quinn, a marketing specialist, aspiring novelist, and copy lover. Are you a woman who's looking to rise to the top of her marketing career? In today's episode, we'll be discussing the overlap between business and feminism, and how we can work towards gender diversity in our marketing campaigns. Shay, I'm so excited to discuss this topic with you today. I have a lot of feelings about it and I'm sure you will as well. Lately, we've seen a real welcoming space for women entrepreneurs where collaboration, consensus and diversity rule, but we've still got such a divide in both how we market to women and how women are seen in the workplace. Oh, 100%. There's a huge gap at the moment, but as you know, I, I personally think that we as women are making huge strides towards closing that gap. Not the pay gap, mind you, but closing the gap nonetheless. I don't disagree with you, but I still think that a lot of things that women are interested in are seen as frivolous and silly, and it's impacting marketing tactics across the globe. Yep, absolutely. Marketing strategies at the moment are so outdated, and I don't think a lot of companies or brands are looking at how they can market to women to women. Considering we're such a huge consumer group, I just don't think they're taking that upon... Well, I just don't think they're looking into that as closely as they can. Which is so interesting to me that women still aren't being taken seriously because in an article I was reading on Ad News, it states that women are making nine out of 10 consumer purchases and are globally worth $28 trillion of the $35 trillion consumer economy. Yeah, and that's huge as well, but also not unsurprising. Okay, so... Let's then break this down into two segments, marketing to women and marketing for women. That's a great idea. Let's kick off with marketing to women because we know that in today's economy, women are driving most of the major household purchase decisions. And (laughs) the what? (laughs) Decisions. And for example, we know that they're buying and influencing more new car purchases than men. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I mean, Personally, I know in our household, Will does most of the purchasing, I must admit. And I know for you, it's sort of that sort of situation as well at home, right? Liam does a lot of the purchasing, groceries. Liam likes to think he does a lot of things, but (laughs) I'll plant the seed and then he'll bring it back up and it's like it's his idea. So it's really, it's really me. (laughs) It's really a partnership. (laughs) Okay. No, but I agree with you. I think for most households, women are really driving the purchases, not just groceries, but, you know, household goods, food, clothing items, all that sort of fun stuff. Yeah. And with that in mind, if we look at how women are interacting online, we know that women are more likely to engage than men. They stalk, they share, they like, they just are doing a lot more things online with content than men are. Mm-hmm. Men seem to just be browsing and not really engaging. Oh, 100%. And I think the female demographic has changed immensely, but marketers these days aren't looking at who we are and how their products can actually help us. I think they're just looking at us as a female demographic and all they're looking at is the demographic. It's just about pink frills and babies and what Engagement rings. Engagement rings. Yeah, and totally, which means now more than ever, brands and advertisers must understand how, when and where to engage with these new confident Australian women, don't you think? Yeah, 
Definitely. Cool. <laughs> I, I do agree with you. I think marketing strategies need to be shaken up a little bit because, frankly, I'm really tired of the sa- seeing the same old thing. Brands aren't building connections, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a brand that I can actually resonate with, brands who understand what it is we're going through, who are looking at the journey, not just, you know, oh, she's a female, she likes this, that, and that. Yeah, I think that brands need to stop just lumping you know, colour pink on something and then putting four women on the end and assuming that the female target market is going to come running because I don't think that they are anymore. Yeah, and let me tell you something else. That doesn't work with razors. (laughs) (laughs) No? No, I do not buy women's razors anymore. There is a price difference, I will have you know, and I feel like the men's razors actually do a better job at shaving my legs than the women's ones. I I don't know why I need to pay more just because the packaging is pink. Yeah, but if you wander down the cosmetics aisle in the grocery store, you'll see a big pink section with all the women's things. You know, you'll have your deodorant, your dry shampoo, your soaps, blah, blah, blah. And then at in the men's section, you just have razors and deodorant. And it's mostly black. There's a big stark difference between the two of them. Or dark blue. Yes, <laughs> agreed. I like the pink section, don't get me wrong. But I don't think that's all we are. No, I don't think either. Um, and I actually came across a funny example of women repelling the products that were trying to appeal to them. <laughs> so consumers have been criticising the PepsiCo CEO for suggesting that Doritos might develop a lady-friendly chip. Chips that are low crunch because <laughs> everyone knows that women don't like to crunch too loudly in public. Um, and I think that this is just one of those things. It's just gone way over women. And I'm sure that Doritos probably had good intentions because... <laughs> Everyone that crunches loudly is annoying. But to put a label on it that says this is for women because women need to be quiet and sensitive and appreciate the people around them, I think just was all wrong. Agreed. But you were literally just crunching on crackers. And I was talking to you and you said to me, you couldn't hear me over the sound of your own crunching. Yeah. (laughs) But I wasn't apologizing for it. (laughs) No, you're right. It needs to be... It doesn't need to be gender specific. I think low crunch should be for everyone. 100%. But the research does show that gender labels threaten women more than men. So we're actually more likely to, like I said before, um, reject something that says for women on it because they're putting us in this box and they're marginalizing us by these negative stereotypes. And it's not working. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, I don't want to be labelled and put into a certain category. I don't think that's what we need. No, we just need great products. Yeah. (laughs) I want to know how a brand can help me, you know, now. And But here's here's the other thing as well. Brands risk, like, isolating other female demographics as well if they're only just trying to target a specific demographic. Like, sure, you might have great tampons, but... If you're only targeting teenagers, then me as a woman in her late 20s, why would I want to? I I don't feel like you're there for me in my time of need. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like you need to have different marketing campaigns to target your different audience. I'm sure you don't have just the one specific consumer who's 16 in need of tampons, pink tampons. Funny because as you were saying that, I was thinking in my head, Do some of these products even need a gender label? Like, do they need to go and say that they're for women or men? And then you brought up tampons. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, they do. (laughs) They definitely do. But I think brands need to understand how women 
think and operate and yeah I, I just think a better understanding of women as a whole and all the different nuances will help them in the long run so do you think that you have to be a woman in order to market to other women oh 100 percent not did i just say 100 percent not yeah i stand by that 100 <laughs> percent not i think you just need to know women and what women want how they connect to brands yeah and i think we've been talking a lot about physical products but even in the online space with your marketing campaigns you can segment them out based on different women um, and you don't have to be putting them into a box. You can just put together, you know, your working mums, your younger women, and then send them different content, different marketing collateral. Yeah. And hopefully they'll engage with it differently because you've. it seems like you're reaching out specifically for them when you don't blanket everyone with the same thing. Absolutely. A personal message goes a long, long way. So how can our listeners implement a good strategy around their marketing to women if that's their target audience? Well, I think by including feminine characteristics, you know, you'd be able to build a better connection with women. So, you know, be open, be empathetic. And it's about creating an emotional experience because once that connection has been established, you've got a loyal consumer for a very, very long time. And like and just to reiterate <laughs> feminist characteristics does not mean making something pink no no yes <laughs> do not whatever you do it does not mean just making it pink you can make it green well jewel tone i green. wouldn't go that far <laughs> i'm 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 so into jewel, jewel tone greens at the moment yeah <clears throat> anyway i think another trick is not to stereotype them and put them into a box that you've made for them make sure that they're going to a box willingly um, <laughs> and you're not repelling them with your audience. Make with sure your... you herd them into the box. Don't just <laughs> plop them in there. Just <laughs> offer them polite signage. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think it's all about identifying what your product or service can do for your consumer, no, no matter what stage of her life she's in. So yeah. for me personally, like I was thinking about this on the train and – I have different girlfriends for different things. Like I, I have a connection, like, you know, my friendship with each of my friends are built on, built on different things. Like with you, we've bonded over sarcasm, Brooklyn Nine-Nine <laughs> and just chilling out on the couch on Friday after work. That, that's, that's what we've bonded on. Whereas I've got other friends that I go to for, you know, a huge weekend out drinking i'm not gonna say weekend bender i don't do those anymore that's a lie i've never done those i'm not a huge drinker (laughs) but i you know i have girlfriends that i go to when i want to party i have girlfriends that i go to when i want more emotional support i have different female friends for different things and i think brands need to have a look at that and see how you can connect to a certain aspect of her life yeah definitely i think that's a great tip Um, just embrace today's female demographic and all the aspects of her because she's not just one thing anymore. She's a hundred different things. And I think now is actually the perfect time for businesses to refine and redirect their marketing strategies. Like while other businesses are flailing about and trying to direct their marketing campaigns at the woman who likes pink, who's at the gym and also at work and also carrying a baby and is also engaged, (laughs) all the stereotypical nonsense, I think... Now's the time for brands big and small, not not just a big company, brands big and small to connect with their female audience and really step in and fill in the void. Like, you know, rather than having to compete with a million other brands. 
Yeah. There's I just think- no brand. There's not a lot of brands that are doing that right now. So I think now is a good time for them to step in. That's a great tip. Stop giving us your pink female marketing because we don't want it. Well, actually, Lauren Lauren says she likes the pink. So. <laughs> Give us small doses of pink. <laughs> so for the second segment of this episode, let's chat about marketing for women, gender diversity and equality in the workplace. Ooh, I love this bit. This is spicy. This really gets my engines going. <laughs> Honestly, I'm really passionate about women in business and I think there's been a big kind of push for it lately. We've seen a lot of women Mm -hmm. in business doing great things, which is amazing. Really encouraging. Yeah. But Um, while I was researching this topic, I came across a whole bunch of articles titled How to Climb the Career Ladder as a Female. And one of their top tips on all of them is dress appropriately. And while I agree everyone should dress appropriately for where they're going and what they're doing, It just is funny to me that this is still something that we're pushing on women, the idea that they have to mold themselves and be desirable for these leading roles. And I'm really tired of it. I mean, I have mixed feelings about these these sorts of articles. On the one hand, I do recognize the fact that we really have to step up and go above and beyond and just be a lot more exceptional and and stand out a lot more than our counterparts in in the office environment. And I think... The way you dress, the way you behave, you know, your attitude, that those things go a long way. But unfortunately, those things don't necessarily equal you getting picked over a male co-worker or it doesn't mean you're going to close the the pay gap. I don't know. I, I yeah. don't know. I have mixed feelings about these sorts of articles. I mean, I think that men should dress as appropriately as women Mm. in the workplace and men should also be desirable and they should be polite and they should be accepting and they should they should have all of the same you know tips presented to them as women if they're in the same kind of basket you know if they're straight from uni getting into a job or their mid-tier management going for a leading role but the language that men are presented in articles online are like not the same at all they're like how to fast track your way up the corporate ladder and how to climb the corporate ladder start here like you're not getting the same content and I think we're just giving women you know we're pushing them back and saying you have to dress nicely you have to be polite whereas for men it's like you have to be a go-getter you have to do this you have to do that and it's like why can't we all have the same content pushed on us that's a really good point because I've had to conduct a number of interviews and the one thing I've noticed is that 90 point 99.9% of the female candidates that have come through have basically nailed like all these areas whereas especially the dressing because you know I really pay attention to how people present themselves and the sort of impression they're trying to make like I play I pay close attention to that sort of thing but the one thing I've noticed is the male candidates that come through are really sloppy as all get out like really fucking sloppy yeah I think that women really focus on presenting every aspect of themselves the best as possible Mm -hmm. whereas men they're not given this content or they're not given this you know kind of discussion to be desirable so they're just focusing on their skills and their experience and they don't worry about what they're wearing because they just assume that people won't look at them the same as women and I think that brings to light a really good point because more often than not it doesn't matter if you've got a really cute dress on it's the skill set that people bring to the table I mean so, okay, say pretend you're a, you're a man and Thanks. I was a woman and <laughs> we were in love. No, say we were going for the same job. We were vying for the same gig. We have the same skill sets, the same education. But I think in general, it's fair to say that you'd probably get the job over me purely based on 
well, I'd say predominantly your gender. Yeah, I think if you look at that same situation, but look at if you were perhaps wearing a dress that had a, you know, showed your shoulders and I was wearing a suit, I would get the job, you know, because people would look at you and say you weren't dressed appropriately. But a man could show up in sneakers and probably not have the same issue. I don't know about that. I think we need a, uh, we need to run a experiment on this. (laughs) If you're willing to participate in this, please let us know. Well, this is something that I'm quite passionate about and I came across an article on the New York Times um, that really resonated with me because it's something that I've really kind of, I've found in my experience um, since coming out of uni that I've always struggled to show my worth opposed to a man that has come into the same kind of role as me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to share a quote because I think it's really interesting to tie this in with what we're discussing Girls are routinely given pep talks to be anything a boy can be, a glorious promotion from their current state, whereas to encourage a boy to behave more like a girl is to inflict an emasculating demotion. Female hobbies, careers, possessions and behaviours are generally dismissed as frivolous, trivial, niche or low status, certainly nothing which any self-respecting boy or man might ever aspire. Yeah, look, it's a good one and I read the article but and I believe in the message they're trying to put out there but I also think they're leaning too much into feminism and it's just a little left field for me because I don't think that everything we do is trivialized not not in this day and age maybe in 2012 but not in this day and age and for anyone to come out and trivialize anything that a woman's doing that's a dangerous game that they're playing so I don't know. This article doesn't quite hit home with me, but I know it does with you. (laughs) And uh, we're kind of on the opposite sides of the desk, so to speak, on this one. Literally and figuratively. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think it is quite far-fetched, but I don't think it's too far left field. I don't think it's wrong. I think it's very correct in today's society and how we're still portraying. You can see through the content that women are getting compared to the content that men are getting. And I think it's important that women know that they can be confident and strong and knowledgeable and not displace men, but be equal to them. Mm, but I think the thing that irks me the most about this article is it's saying that women should be more self-respecting or, you know, women should aspire to be this and that. But I feel like perhaps the message come a little too late because I am seeing women do great things out there. You know, a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs and, you know, business owners, small and big business owners. So... I think our audience themselves are definitely empowered and they're definitely getting the right message. And I think by doing the things they're doing now, it's definitely sending a message to men, women, (laughs) kids, dogs, goldfishes that, you know, women are becoming empowered and I think they're paving a great way. Yeah, so I wonder if it's less women themselves and more the businesses and the brands that are marketing to women because I know there's a Gmail plugin that's supposed to help women quit their apologies. You know, women who are putting too many exclamation marks with fear of coming across rude in their emails and Gmail is... And too many sorries. Yeah, so Gmail's trying to put a policy on emails for the excessive... You know, they apologetic nature. Yeah, they underline anything that's overly apologetic in angry red wiggles and they're telling women... You know, this is a plug-in that's specifically for women. Mm. They're telling them that what they're doing isn't correct and needs to be updated. So I wonder if it's just these bigger businesses and brands that are pushing this on women where women business owners are pushing back and saying, you know, we're fine. Yeah. You you guys, for our, for our audience, you can't see this, but I'm nodding my head vigorously. <laughs> and may I point out that 
The 2019 Top 50 Small Business Leaders um, list from Inside Small Business, over 50% of their list are female-dominated businesses. For me, that speaks volumes and that goes to show that, you know, we aren't, not all of us are cowering behind our males and, you know, that article doesn't resonate with me because this list proves that there are a lot of women that are stepping out and, you know what, if we're not sitting on the board of large corporations, then fuck that. We'll create our own businesses. We'll create our own companies. And this list proves that. Yeah, I must say, and I I love that. And I think the list is really inspiring, but I can see the article. It was probably written about three years ago and it says... It's the 2019 (laughs) list. No, this is a new article that I've (laughs) written in my head that I can see someone has written and it says, you know, women can be founders too. And now look at us. Yeah. I mean, those shitty articles about (laughs) feminism, you know, they've helped. They've helped. So let's end this episode on a slightly lighter note. Um, What are some good suggestions on how women can grow in their roles, whether it's their current role, whether they're looking at moving roles, growing in their organisations? What can they do? The most important part is building connections. I know we love to use the term networking, networking events, networking drinks, blah, blah, blah. But I think I feel like networking is such such a superficial word. And I think it's important to build connections. I feel like building relationships and connections with other women doesn't need to be in your industry. You know, the way women approach their roles and approach applications for better jobs, better salaries, I think it's applicable across all industries. And I think making a connection with other women is going to be hugely beneficial for you, you know, especially if you're coming out of uni. And read and learn as much as you can be confident in your ability and your knowledge, but also be realistic and be patient with your career progression. I know we spoke about that in our last episode and I firmly stand behind it. You, It's good to know what you want, where you want to go and be confident in your ability and, and always expand in your knowledge, but also be patient as well. Yeah, I think just to add to that, being confident in your knowledge is a really good one. If you know the answer to something, make sure you're speaking up and saying it and if there's a job that you think that you have all the, you think that you meet all the criteria, but you're not too sure because it says maybe a bit more experience than what you currently have, apply for it because you can guarantee that our male counterparts are applying for it and they're getting those roles because you never know what could happen and an application can't hurt. Oh, 100%. Not only that, even if you don't, <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but even if you don't meet meet half the skill sets, who's to say you can't learn on the job? There are so many roles where I've just had to learn on the ro- on the job. I mean, We're not stupid. (laughs) Well, I think that's all we've got time for. (laughs) Coming up next week, we talk to a very special guest, Brooke Bolanovich, on how she's conquered social media and how you can do the same. If you loved this episode, make sure you follow us at thinksocial.podcast. Don't forget (laughs) to click the purple subscribe button or follow us on Spotify. Until next time. bye. Bye.